Hawks have won three in a row. But is there still turmoil going on in the front office? We won three games versus three good teams. Uh, and, you know, for us, we just got to be consistent. I think that's the, the, the main thing. Welcome to the Hawks Report, the podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Lauren Williams, the Hawks beat reporter here today at the AJC. Today and every day, actually. And of course, joined by my trusty, handy dandy producer, Daniel Salerson. Today, we've got a lot to discuss. Of course, the Hawks have won three in a row following that win over the Miami Heat on Monday, MLK Day. And then, of course, we have an article that, you know, we definitely need to discuss, especially regarding what's going on in the front office and and where they expect to take this team into the future. So before we get to that, this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the AJC. So as I mentioned before, we kind of got into a little bit of a break. You know, Chris Vivlamore, my editor, and I released an article on Monday morning uh, regarding what's going on in the front office. Of course, we're not the first to report on everything that's going on as they transition into a new era, but that's okay. We were able to provide you guys with a little bit more information as to some of the things that caused a little bit of conflict within that front office. And of course, we never want to see a team have this sort of drama happening. You 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 want to see a front office have everything together, but when you're dealing with a lot of people in the room who have a lot of differing opinions, there's going to be some disagreement. And unfortunately for the Hawks that seem to have led to, you know, Travis Schlenk stepping down and then the promotion of Landry Fields to the big chair. I believe he's I don't think they've officially changed his title to president of basketball operations, but he's essentially that. Um, I think he still has the title technically of general manager. And now he has Kyle Korver as his right hand man, his assistant general manager. And um, Daniel, have you have you gotten a chance to take a look? Do you have any questions for me about kind of everything that's been going on? Just because I feel like it's hard to to know where to start. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like, first of all, happy anniversary to you. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I forgot that. This is our one year anniversary of the Hawks report. Of Mm -hmm. course, Laura and I have not been a part of 
the original year, but we do appreciate Sarah Spencer and, and Jay Black getting that thing going last year, and hopefully we continue what they've built. Mm-hmm. Um, but you certainly gave us a nice present this morning, mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as or Monday night, as far as that that article. Um, and yeah, I mean, one, I, I did read it, and there's definitely some interesting things on that. But I think the biggest thing. You know, we've seen some of the national reports. It's mm-hmm. more just how did all this come about mm-hmm. to get to where we are based on what you wrote on Monday? For sure. I think that it's been a very long and winding road to how we've gotten here. I think that one of the key things that seems to have caused the rift was, you know, the cost of that DeJounte Murray trade. But this front office that we have now with Landry Fields and and Kyle Korver and and Nick Ressler and and the rest of that group, they don't have any buyer's remorse, which I think should signal that they're very confident in the direction that they're taking this team. And I mean, again, like I said, this is a lot of people that have a lot of differing opinions on what it takes to build a basketball team. So, of course, that's going to cause some conflict. And as we said, Travis Schlank stepped down and there's been some reshuffling. A couple of other people or a few other people have have left the front office, including Rod Higgins and uh, a few other scouting people who are in charge of scouting, you know, Stephen Giles and Derek Price. So it's it's a lot that's been happening. But I think the key thing is is how they move forward from from all of this turmoil. They wouldn't call it turmoil. They would just call it a transition, which, you know, that happens in in these in these situations. So I think the biggest takeaway I had in talking to them this morning for um, the article, but as, as well as the the Q&A that also dropped this morning is that Nick Ressler does have a voice in the room, but it seems that the decision is ultimately Landry Fields. So, you know, we're going to be seeing in real time, you know, him build up this experience and and what his and, and Kyle Korver's values are as far as what it takes to build a championship caliber team. Uh, they wouldn't put a, a deadline, so to speak, on how long it would take, which I understand because th- with things like this, you never want to put a deadline on something like this because then when that deadline comes up, people are going to ask, hey, you said this was going to happen by now. Right. But of course, they have goals that they want to to reach. And uh, whether that's one year out, three years out, five years out, I guess we'll be able to continue asking them about what those goals are, what those objectives are and how they're getting there. But it just seems that everybody is on the same page now as far as what that means with them being in the leadership positions that they are right now. But uh, it seems like, unfortunately, the reshuffling needed to happen to get everybody on the same page is the conclusion that I've drawn from everything that Chris Vivlamore and I have reported. Speaking of one year out, three years out, five years out, how about one month out, which Mm -hmm. is when the trade deadline and all this coming about Mm -hmm. when you're less than a month away now from the trade deadline with a team that is now right at 500. Mm -hmm. And I think it's safe to say they have underachieved so far. Mm -hmm. But with the rumors, of course, surrounding John Collins, how does maybe the shuffling or if any affect what this team does come February 9th? Well, I think now other teams know who it is they're talking to who and who they're negotiating with. And I think maybe that was part of maybe some of the confusion as to what is it that the Hawks want? I I still think that 
if they can get the right option at the trade deadline that we might see John Collins be that guy that they move just because his name has just been in constantly in the rotation of trade rumors. But uh, I think one report recently talked about how the asking price might end up being too high and we might still see John in a Hawks uniform after February 9th. But I think when it comes to what they're looking for, it's all about how they fit with this roster and whether they're complementing Trey and DeJounte. That's kind of, again, another takeaway that I took from that conversation. It seems that they're the guys that this team wants to build around. Of course, they're not going to come out and say it exactly that way, but in several different answers, you could see that Trey and DeJounte are the guys that they envision as the leaders of this team. So I think, you know, with the way that they've been playing in these last three games, that might be a little bit more enticing to, you know, people who want to be traded from their teams right now to come to uh, a different atmosphere. Because sometimes it just takes a change of scenery for someone to get out of funk. But I still think the key thing that they need to address at that trade deadline is is the bench. And, and we've seen some good things from AJ Griffin, Bogdan Bogdanovich, but I still think those two guys need a little bit more help. And with Clint back, now that means Onyeko Kongu is, of course, going to be heading back to the bench. So that will also give AJ and Bogey a little bit more help there. So I think to go back to the question that you asked, I think them seeing that there's, I guess, some stability that's coming out of this situation, that the Hawks are turning a corner or turning a page, I think that might bode well for them a little bit more when it comes to the trade deadline. And I think one more for you just about the article in general. And speaking of this three-game winning streak mm-hmm. that now this team has, is I wonder if some some of it's correlating with one another, just a little bit of how much the players really don't <laughs> want to deal with distractions, what's going on, mm-hmm. but also kind of using this as a wake-up call for them as like, hey, you know, we're a talented team, and now mm-hmm. having a healthy Clint Capella back, you're finally going to get to see what they're capable of doing. I, I yeah. wonder if kind of one thing has to do a little bit with the other as far as maybe their their step up and play recently. Absolutely. I mean, one of the key things that Landry Fields said when we chatted was that now that, you know, the fir- one of the first things that they needed to address before the trade deadline is getting healthy because they haven't had the chance to see what this roster is capable of when it's fully healthy. I mean, before Monday's game against the Heat, they'd only seen it for about, what, two and a half quarters before Clint had to exit that Detroit Pistons game on December 23rd with that ankle, or sorry, that calf um, tightness. So I think now that we have an idea of what this team could look like with all five starters in the rotation, um, once we get to see how Onyeka Okongwu fits alongside Bogdan Bogdanovich and AJ Griffin and some of the other pieces that they tend to rotate throughout that second unit, uh, they'll have a better idea of what they need to address at the trade deadline. And so I think the fact that there's one... That stability coming in, I feel like it's starting to trickle down onto the court. But also, I just I just think that this team is is frustrated with losing. And so they've decided that they want to be a lot more aggressive, especially with attacking the basket. And we've seen that over these last three games. We've seen them take fewer of those random shots that got them into trouble that ended up getting them beaten in transition on the other end and and led to those transition points from from their opponents. And so I think when a team 
has figured it out in January. And Nate has said this, but Nate McMillan has said this before that January is usually when these teams really start to figure out who they are. Maybe we're starting to see the uh, beginning of that for the Hawks. Yeah, should be interesting. But that's this is why we have you on. This is why you're the host <laughs> of the show. Is you know the whole point of the show is to go right to the source, which mm-hmm. is you. And with a big article like that, you know, learning kind of how this thing all built up mm-hmm. uh, was certainly interesting and how this affects this team moving forward. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, hopefully we're, you know, Lauren and I are bringing that to you every yeah. every single week. And, you know, hopefully as we embark on another year, mm-hmm. this is the kind of stuff that we can bring you every yeah. week uh, from here on out. And one last thing that I wanted to touch on regarding the article is that part of Uh, some of the things that we've seen regarding this team's chaotic energy sometimes is, is Trey trying to figure out Trey young, trying to figure out how he now fits into this offense with DeJounte Murray in the mix. And I think, again, we're starting to see that these last three games, the way that they've been clicking has been phenomenal. And I think we're starting to see what it is that that front office expected from from Trey and DeJounte. And I also think maybe we're starting to see Trey maturing a little bit more and and realizing that it takes a team effort. It's not just about him because we've seen so much balanced scoring from this team over, again, these last three, four, five games. Um, we're feeding guys like DeAndre Hunter and John Collins a lot more. We're feeding guys like Onika Okongwu. And, when, and once Clint gets back into the start rotation, it, that will be him. And so I think if we continue to see more of that ball movement and, and that trust that Trey is clearly starting to have for his teammates then good things are going to keep coming toward this team what did DeJounte say at the beginning with the tease consistency mm-hmm. and we've been preaching that all year long and now it's you got the three game winning streak the first one since early November mm-hmm. uh let's see if they can keep it rolling let's see if we can keep it rolling this is the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal Constitution Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I want to take this time to thank everyone who have subscribed to the AJC and AJC.com. You guys are really what makes all of this possible, whether it's the travel, the podcast, everything. You guys make it possible. So that's okay if you're not a subscriber, though. You can head to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you know what's always going on. So, Daniel, you were here on Monday afternoon at State Farm Arena. First game. First game. 
And I figured that it was a great way to really celebrate this one year anniversary of the Hawks report. And it's great that they gave us a win. Yeah, for sure. On this uh, on this one year anniversary. So from your from from your chance, like your first chance being able to to watch a Hawks game live at State Farm Arena since joining the Hawks report. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, what a great day. You know, I grew up here in Marietta, and even through all these years, I never have been to an MLK Day game, which is always a tradition here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And so coming yesterday was just certainly special, just from that standpoint. You Mm -hmm. know, everything they do to honor Dr. King from the starting lineups and the choir and what they did at halftime and Mm -hmm. just being a part of the atmosphere. A matinee game is always something that is special for the Hawks and a tradition that they always do. I think that part, number one, was... The coolest aspect, but just mm-hmm. seeing this team in person for the first time all year long and seeing how they played, you know, I, I got lucky. The fact that Clint was back, seeing a fully healthy team, even though he didn't start, we'll get into that. But the fact that you saw a fully healthy team, you saw him get off to a tremendous start mm-hmm. against Miami. It just seemed like they were clicking on all cylinders. And I know I asked you after the Toronto game, mm-hmm. this was one of the most complete wins, you know, and that one could kind of back and forth between this one and that mm-hmm. one. Um, I still may think the Toronto one just from the defensive standpoint maybe was a more complete game. But at mm-hmm. the same time, even the, just the last two, you know, the Indiana game was certainly a, a nice one with a buzzer mm-hmm. beater. But just overall, everything today just or yesterday, I should say, was it was just unbelievable to be here. And, yeah. and the fact that they played the way they did and attacked the basket, mm-hmm. left open shots. I mean, they're at one point you were getting ready to tweet out that they were shooting 70% yep. from the field <laughs> and over 70% for three. Yeah. And that was with like four and a half minutes to go. In, in the, the first quarter. Yeah, first half. Oh, yeah. yeah. They got all the way down there, and then they oh, missed a right. couple shots, and then it dropped to like, oh, 60. a future yeah. 66% <laughs> from three. Like, I think that was that was the big thing is yeah. th- this team showed up, and, you know, of course, on, on a day like it was yesterday and, and everything that they've gone through, I think it was kind of a – I don't know if this was the the turning the corner game, but it certainly might be the one. Yeah, I think one of the things that I just loved about this game is that they were just dominant. Yeah. Obviously, other than that third quarter yesterday against the Heat, they were dominant. I mean, they held the, the Heat to, what, 39 points in the first half? Yep. And... How many times have you said that when it comes to, you know, heat culture and everything like that? I know the Heat have been having a bit of an off year, but I mean, it's a team that absolutely decimated them in the playoffs last year. And so for them to, you know, come out with the right intensity, the right urgency, put up 70 points in that first half and just absolutely hold the Heat to some really highly contested shots. It just shows that this team is really starting to buy into the defense, the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think I told you this, that, or I might have written this in my five observations after the game, but through these last three games, they rank fifth in the NBA in defense. Fifth. Yeah. The Hawks. We, <laughs> a team that we've been constantly complaining about the defense yes. and closing out games and getting off to bad starts. Like mm-hmm. all of that was not the case on Monday. And I think that's what impressed me the most about the victory. For sure. And I think, you know, DeJounte Murray, he said it best after the game. And, and here's what he actually said about, you know, the defense and them, them picking up the pace, especially in these last three wins. I mean, I think obviously, you know, we, you know, playing faster, uh, getting shots of the like you said, playing defense, you know, taking pride on that side of the floor, uh, but doing it consistent. 
uh, knowing if we're making or missing shots, we know you know playing defense is something that we can't control. And uh, you know, obviously, we got him back. Uh, you know, huge part of our defense. Uh, so you know, we just got to be consistent and continue to build from these three wins. You know, when we we talk about the defensive side of the ball, I think we would be remiss not to talk about what we've seen from Trey Young on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, for all all the knocks that Trey gets about how he competes on the defensive end, this season we've we've really seen this guy buy into it. And I think it, it's been really paying off, particularly in these last three games. I mean, he had four steals on Monday night. Four. Trey Young. <laughs> four. <laughs> four. Um, but He's also had multi-steal games in in three of the last four games that he's played. And so part of the reason for that is he's grateful for for how DeJounte Murray has kind of come in and, and really helped him on the other side of the ball. He he talked about how he's more willing to commit to defense when he doesn't have to worry about his fouls because he knows that there's another playmaker in the backcourt who can pick up some of that slack. And Obviously, when the Hawks went out and traded for DeJounte Murray, that was a key reason. They wanted to have somebody who could take the pressure off of Trey, mostly on the offensive end. But the fact that Trey is crediting DeJounte for for how he's helped him on the defensive end, it's, it's amazing. And I feel like the Hawks will only continue to get better the more that they don't have to worry about whether Trey will be a liability on the defensive end. And, you know, him continuing to consistently do that night in and night out is something that DeJounte Murray has talked about. And DeJounte kind of talked about it after the game. And here's what he said his message to Trey is about his defensive performance. I mean, just pushing him. Uh, you know, it comes down to, you know, having hard pride, you know, just trying to stop the man in front of you. And, you know, it's the NBA, you know, like I tell him, you're a tough cover, you know what I'm saying? But you got great defenders that just try to make it hard for you. So no matter you short, tall, whatever, you just, you know, have that pride, that heart, you know, that I'm trying to stop the man. And, you know, same thing goes for me, uh, you know, trying to be that spark for my team and, and do whatever it takes to win. So, yeah, it's. You know, the fact that his teammates are are noticing that effort, I also think is great for them developing a culture that they want. And it's it's going to be a part of the identity that they've been striving to build so much this season. But a huge part of the Hawks' identity is the fact that they have Clint Capella in their front court. I mean, we've talked so much about how much of an anchor Clint Capella is for this team. You know, when he first went out, you could see that they were just struggling on the boards. And, you know, in the last few games, they they've been quite the factor. I mean, Miami did out rebound them a ton this on Monday. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, you're competing with Bam Adebayo. It's, he's a beast. He's a beast mm. on the boards. And he was a beast on Monday night. He had 20 points and 13 rebounds. Mm-hmm. And three block shots and three steals. I mean, he does it all. He does it all. He was a menace. And so, you know, that was a lot for Onyeka Okongwu to go up against. And I mean, I think Onyeka held his own until he he picked up that fifth foul, um, I believe, in the third quarter. Right. Um, and that's something that Onyeka has been, you know, really working on and learning. And it seemed like he kind of turned a corner in the previous two games against the the Pacers and the Raptors. But that's okay. 
He's he's only 22. If you think about it, Onyeko would be a senior in college right now. Right. But the fact that we're seeing incremental growth with him is just going to do wonders for for the Hawks, especially once the Hawks, you know, flip their rotation, move Onyeka Okonglu back to the bench and Clint Capella back to the starting rotation. I think we're going to continue seeing some really good things from these Hawks centers. But the fact that Clint is back is is a huge step forward for this team. Health has been something that has not been on their side. No. Um, but to have him back out there, he said he felt great, which is a really good sign because strains are just never easy to to get over. Yeah, so I think we're all happy that Capella is back. And I think the backcourt is really happy that Capella is back. But part of, I think, again, and we touched on this when we were talking about Trey crediting DeJounte for, for helping him on the defensive end just because he just he he doesn't have to worry about fouling out or fouling as much because he has that secondary playmaker there or that co not even secondary co playmaker there, but part of it is now there's a lot less pressure on the both of them to perform in clutch time, and over these last three games, I think it's been really Murray who well I would say. Over the last four games, it's been clear that the both of them have just benefited from having each other on the floor in clutch time. In the Clippers game, clearly Trey was the one that benefited from having DeJounte on the floor. And in these last couple of games, it's really been Murray who has benefited from from having Trey on the floor. And, you know, they they talked about at the beginning of the year that they wanted this to be a pick your poison sort of offense where defenses really have to make a decision on on who it is that they're going to defend especially in these clutch moments and so the fact that the heat had honed in on Trey on Monday night freed up DeJounte to knock down a ton of shots down the stretch I mean Murray ended the night or the afternoon with 28 points, a team high. Uh, he had four rebounds and seven assists. Uh, Trey ended the night with 24 points, three rebounds, eight assists, as we mentioned, four steals. DeJounte also had one block. But I think one of the things that we've noticed about, I, I think maybe the last five or so minutes of the game was that they had an almost identical stat line. I think DeJounte had like, 23, three and seven. Trey had like 18, three and seven. But I mean, the fact that, you know, this backcourt is really starting to show what was expected of them, it it can only be positive. And uh, here's what Trey had to say about having DeJounte Murray out there with him to help close out these, you know, really tough matchups. It's helpful. I mean, I've been, I've been talking about that um, for a long time now. I mean, uh, obviously, when I bring the ball up there, the whole defense is looking at me, so it's it's a lot easier for me to, to get the ball, I mean, starting lower or um, playing off the ball a little bit, then coming to get it once it gets past half court. So the defense isn't just looking and loading up to me. It just makes it easier having somebody out there who can play make and also score. Uh, so, I mean, we're still getting this thing going, and it's, it's still kind of like the beginning because we're, now we're getting everybody healthy and everybody back. So. It's going to get even better too. So part of the beauty of having both Trey and DeJounte out there is that we have these two very dynamic playmakers, very, very different passing passers. But these these Hawks are truly benefiting from from that. And the fact that the two of them combined for what, 14 of the Hawks is 20. 
eight or 27 assists. I mean, Nate at the beginning of the year said he wanted this team to average 25 or more assists yep. per game. And I will have to go back and look again at the numbers of what their assists have been over the last three games, but they've been sharing the ball. We had six different players end the night in double figures. I think that's a, a really good sign that, again, they're finding the, finding the right options. They're being patient, which is something that they struggled with at the beginning of the season, but they're also very aggressive in attacking the basketball just because of the amount of options that they have, whether that's John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, Trey, DeJounte Murray, Clint Capella, you know, whoever it is. There are just so many options that can collapse the paint and, and open things up for them should they want to space the floor and find guys like, you know, whether it's DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, AJ Griffin, Bogdan Madonovich. I mean, we're just seeing a lot more of that dynamic offense that this Hawks team promised that they would have at the beginning of the season. And again, it's only a three-game win streak. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. And there's still still a lot of games left to play. So, Daniel, in watching today's game, just how fulfilling, I guess, was it to see how patient and how uh, how much they were able to move the ball, minus that third quarter? Yeah, the, the patience, I think, is the best way you could describe it for what they were able to do today. I mean, like you mentioned, you had DeAndre Hunter with four assists. Mm-hmm. You had Bogey off the bench with five assists. 27 assists on 45 made field goals is an excellent ratio. And like you mentioned, 25 to 30 Mm -hmm. most likely is going to get you wins. And I'm glad you brought up the backcourt. I mean, last game against Toronto, 56 points, 15 assists combined for both them on 19 of 34 shooting. Tonight, 17 of 30, Mm. 52 points, and those 15 assists, and 8 of 14 from downtown. So almost identical numbers besides the three-point shooting. They doubled what they did Mm -hmm. against Toronto. But a lot of it was also the way they attacked. I think Mm -hmm. Nate McMillan uh, described it. We'll hear that in a second. But just the fact that they were driving a lot. Yeah, they didn't get a ton of points in the paint. Mm -hmm. Compared to Miami, it was 64-46. But Miami was dominant. That's how they really got going early Mm -hmm. on was their their points in the paint. But when he saw Trey attacking, when he saw even DeAndre, Mm -hmm. but DJ as well, again, it just helps out. Just leave some guy open, whether Mm -hmm. it's Bogey, whether it's AJ knocked down a couple threes early, got one, it, it gets guys into a rhythm, too. Mm-hmm. The ball's not sticking. When mm-hmm. it's moving, you're getting everyone involved. means they'll mm-hmm. rely less on the hero ball. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you saw in most of the game. That third quarter, I think the pace went down because mm-hmm. they were taking the ball out of the basket a lot more. The defense was not crisp in that third quarter. No. At the beginning, it was, I think, 22-10. to 10. The Heat were outscoring them just in general. And so once they started to get some more stops, mm-hmm. that's when they're able to run, pick up the pace, and try to score on the open floor instead of having to wait to a half-court offense, which can be a little touchy for them, Mm -hmm. especially when they're not passing the ball. So I think today there was as much hero ball as we we have seen, and Mm -hmm. we haven't seen that, I think, in these three games, and that's what's most exciting. And out of those three wins, two of those, to get a road road Mm back-to-back is definitely the toughest thing you have to do. And to do it against a team that you're chasing in Mm -hmm. Indiana, a team that's chasing you in Toronto, Mm -hmm. and now you win this one against Miami, I mean, the implications of that, you're a game and a half now behind Miami. Mm-hmm. You're just a half a game behind Indiana for ninth, uh, or for eighth, excuse me. And then the Knicks come to town on Friday, and you're only a couple games back of them for six. And I know mm-hmm. that's getting ahead because mm-hmm. you still have to jump the teams in front of you, but you're taking care of business against teams that you're going to have to compete for when it comes to the end. So mm-hmm. to go back to your original question, everything that stood out to me was the fact that they kept the pace going. They mm-hmm. were so unselfish. 
And the whole point of getting DeJounte Murray was to have this backcourt. And mm-hmm. I think you're starting to see why they had the potential to be a top five backcourt. I know DeJounte does not want to yeah. talk about that right now, as he <laughs> said right at the end of his postgame press conference. Yeah. But it's a discussion worth having if they can continue. This. Yeah. So three wins in a row. We're really excited to continue seeing this growth from this team. But Daniel already promised we got to hear from Nate McMillan talking about how his team attacked the basket and, and how it paid off for them. We are attacking the basket more. You know, we're not settling, uh, you know, on the perimeter uh, when teams are in their switching mode. Uh, the isolations are more attacks than settling on the perimeter. And I think that just uh, puts you into a rhythm where uh, now it opens up the perimeter uh, for you to uh, to take those shots. Uh, DJ and Trey and DeJounte, uh, I mean, so DeAndre, uh, all three of those guys uh, have been doing a really good job of attacking the rim and uh, forcing the defense to collapse. Uh, tonight we had, what, 22 uh, free throws. Uh, we want to win that free throw line. All right. So we're, again, we're really excited to see this team be the consistent team that we know it can be. Obviously, up next, they they face the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic and the, the Dallas Mavericks. This is the first time that they'll be seeing uh, Luka this season um, and the rest of the Mavericks. And, you know, the Mavericks, they're they're an interesting team. There's a lot going on with that team. Um, some might say they might be a li- as, as chaotic yeah. as what's going on with the Hawks, um, but they've lost two in a row. So they're going to come into Wednesday's matchup against the Hawks very hungry. But they have a lot of good pieces in place. Obviously, Luka Doncic, Spencer Dinwiddie, Christian Wood has been seemingly finding some rhythm over these last sure. stretch of games. Um, and then obviously, Jason Kidd is is a is a pretty pretty good coach, yeah. I would say. Um, the jury's still out, depending on how they do. Yeah, but they're fifth in the West. Yeah. Uh, at one point, they were fourth. They're they're two point five games back behind the Kings um, in the Western Conference. So. They're, they have just as much hunger in them and a lot to prove, just like the Hawks. So it's going to be a very scrappy matchup, we can expect, right? Yeah, I mean, they're they're kind of in that consistently inconsistent category, too. Mm-hmm. You don't know which team's going to show up. But mm-hmm. I think the, the big thing for them is, and what at least fans are, are getting irritated with, is the lack of help for Luka. They really didn't do a lot in the offseason to address that besides mm-hmm. the addition of Christian Wood. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like they have to rely on him a lot, especially at the end of the games to bail him out of close situations. I mean, he's dropped 60 in the game. He dropped the 51 after Greg Popovich said we just need to hold him to at least 50. Uh-huh. <laughs> he holds him to 51. So maybe we should just say if we can hold him to under 40, yeah. the Hawks have a chance. But other than that, I think they do have to rely on other guys stepping mm-hmm. up a little bit. Tim Hardaway is another one for them. They definitely have the talent there, but they just haven't been able to string a bunch mm-hmm. of wins together, which is what this Hawks team has been like. But I feel like having a day game here, mm-hmm. you practice in Atlanta, you practice in Atlanta, then mm-hmm. fly. It's not the crazy. I mean, the schedule for Atlanta has been absolutely wild, too. And it, you're definitely can attest to it's what crazy. it's been with all the travel. And then yeah. they have another back to back this weekend. But at least a good thing is it's at it's home, home. Mm-hmm. and it's against the Knicks. Again, a game that's always yeah, exciting. A, a big one. And then the Hornets, yeah. which is a very winnable back to back. So that the Wednesday game against the house could be the swing game as yeah. far as how this week goes. I always like to break it down by the week, but then I realize it's not good for my health if I do that <laughs> because I go, oh, this is, should be a win. This could be one. Oh, this might be yeah. tough. 
you don't know with this team because no. I thought this road trip would have been, you know, you're lucky if you split. Mm-hmm. The fact that you won both of them and the way you came out on Monday against the Heat uh, was certainly something that exceeded my expectations. So mm-hmm. against Dallas, I think the key is, especially when you're on the road, just like they did today, is go and punch them in the mouth first. <laughs> yes. If they can punch them in the mouth first yep. and grow a little bit of lead, grow that confidence knowing this was not a fluke of a three-game mm-hmm. winning streak, then I think they definitely have a chance to pull this one off. And I think one of the keys, of course, is limiting Dallas on on those three-pointers. Or th- they're shooting 35.9% from three, a little bit above what the Hawks are doing this season. And and also just making sure that when they're they're playing on the defensive end of the, the defensive end of the floor, that they're keeping up that physicality and that intensity, but also limiting the number of fouls. I think it was fortunately not a detriment to this team that they lost John Collins toward the end of that game against the Raptors on Saturday night. But we want to make sure that those big guys stay as clean or as foul free as possible, especially because Luca is one of the bigger guards in the league. Um, They have a lot of size in that front court, as we mentioned with Christian Wood and, and, and some of those other guys. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a test for them, but we're excited to continue seeing them build on this three game winning streak. We're excited to see them be consistent, and we're we're just we're glad to see that things seem to be settling down in the front office, and it's it's finding some stability behind Landry Fields and Kyle Korver. Yeah, and I think this will kind of determine what direction they go with come February 9th, kind mm-hmm. of how these next few weeks go. We've been discussing that for the last two weeks mm-hmm. before then, but now I feel like you're right. The dust has kind of settled, I think, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and hopefully when we get to next Tuesday here, we're discussing a lot more wins and, mm-hmm. and saying, you know, who is this team? Right. And this is the team we expected all along. And yeah. So another big week for them, and let's see if they can finish strong. Let's see if they can finish strong. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Lauren Williams, your host, and we'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.